The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today we continue looking at Article 5 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which deals with the subject of justification. Yesterday we began looking at this topic and saw that justification is a courtroom term, and it's important to know which courtroom we're in. When it comes to justification by grace, we are squarely in the courtroom of heaven before a thrice holy God and his bar of eternal justice. Today we conclude looking at justification by grace and we see that justification by grace occurs solely and wholly by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Even Paul, I, I don't want to go into it this morning because it would take too long. <laughs> read the seventh chapter of Romans. Just read about Paul's struggle. Paul, the great apostle. You say, if I could just be like Paul, I feel that way. I know I'll never be like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my standard. That's what I should struggle towards. If I could just be like the apostle Paul, I feel like I would be so much better than I am now. And yet Paul called himself the chiefest of sinners. And in the seventh chapter of Romans, he's struggling with sin within him. He's struggling every day. That which I would, I do not. That which I would not, that's what I do. And he ultimately exclaims, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The wages of sin is death, we're told. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That brings me a little hope. Now, notice that as sinners, fallen sinners, we always are going to fail when we try to justify ourselves. I, I, I've tried it. I know you've tried it. But it doesn't work. In, in the courtroom setting, going back to that courtroom setting, what do you do in a courtroom? In a courtroom, one side puts on their evidence. The other side puts on their evidence. So in this case, one side would put on the evidence of guilt. And the other side would put on evidence of justification to try to counteract that. Some suggest that that's the way it works in the justification before the Lord, that, that we put on evidence of our good works in order to offset the bad works that we've done, the evil works that we've done. The, the, the problem with that is that we just don't have any good works to offer. You say, well, I've done good things, yes, but Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says that all your righteousnesses are filthy rags. Can you imagine somebody, you know, you come into the courtroom and, and here's your whole life and everything that you've ever done that's wicked and, and, and that's bad and that's contrary to the Word of God. And you say, well, hold time out now. I've got, I've got a box over here full of some good works, some evidence of good works that I want to put on. And, you, you know, you, you, you've looked at it. You've put them in there and said, well, I gave to the church. I gave to charity. I helped this person out of the ditch. I, 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 I you know, I, I did various good deeds throughout my life. And it looks pretty good to you. And you bring it into the courtroom and you lay it out there on the table there in front of the judge. And you pour it out. And all those things that looked to you like they were so good, when you pour it out, they're just filthy rags laying across the bar of justice. I can just see the judge. Looking at it and say, what, what, are you, what are you doing here? You know, what, what have you got here that's, that, that you're trying to give to me? Well, I thought they were good. I thought I did. This. Well, the problem is that everything, as I've said earlier, everything we do is tainted with the curse of sin. And that's why Isaiah says our righteousnesses, our good works, the things we think are good earth, but filthy rags in the sight of God. Uh, David, the great king of Israel, he, he declared, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He, in the very womb, was a sinner. The wicked, he tells us in Psalm 58, verse 3, are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. I'm looking so forward to that little grandchild that's coming in August. I can't wait. I'm excited about it, okay? But I've got a sneaking suspicion that he'll... There'll be times that he'll cry because we're not giving him enough attention. You know, there'll be times he'll scream bloody murders if someone's beating him and all we have to do is turn the light on. 
you know. You see, I don't think I'm going to have to teach him how to uh, be selfish. I'm going to have to teach him how to share. You know, I, I, I always pick on Mason. I know it. I'm sorry, Mason. But we, we watched old videos. Mason and Asher were about the same age, maybe about a year between them. And Asher would come visit when Mason, you know, he was about three and Mason was about four. And Mason liked all these Thomas the Train toys. That's, that's He had a bunch of them, 15 or 20 at least. And, and, and Asher would want to play with one. And everyone Asher would want to play with, no, that's mine. I'm sorry. And pretty soon, Mason had his arms so full he couldn't hold them off and couldn't play with them, you know. We didn't have to teach Mason. I'm just picking on Mason. I could pick on Ashley and all the others, and you you could name your children or others that you know. I didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. I'm not going to have to teach that baby how to be selfish. He'll come forth from the womb speaking lies because even John the Baptist who was born of the Spirit in his mother's womb still had the old human nature. We know that from the fact that he lost faith. He wondered if if this was really Jesus at one point. I'm sure there were times in his life (laughs) that he was selfish and self-focused. But you see, that's where we will be if we try to justify ourselves. That's 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 why Paul said over in... Romans chapter 7, about verse 18, he said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So I guess it doesn't have to do with us putting on good works to offset bad works because we just can't do it. Well, what about, what about keeping the law? What about keeping the law? Well, here's the problem with the law. I mean, I mean think about the Ten Commandments, you know. I, I, I'm sure that, you know, you probably kept, outwardly kept most of those, you know. You probably, I, I doubt you've robbed any banks or, uh, you know, murdered anybody or done anything like that, you know, but uh, I'm sure you, you violated some, but generally speaking, you know, in our, in our outward, I, I don't really have a problem robbing banks. You know, that's not my, that's not my, my sin that, that keeps afflicting me. You know, I don't, I don't ride down the road and just have to pull over and go break into a home or a store and take money you know that's not generally what afflicts me but there's some others that do there's some others that do you say well I've done pretty good to keep all these have you broken one law have you broken one of the ten commandments maybe you hadn't broken the first nine but I bet you you've broken that last one thou shalt not covet have you ever coveted you ever lusted after something you didn't you shouldn't it was somebody else's that you shouldn't have then you've broken the law And you know what we're told about that? Moses described the righteousness of the law. He said, the man that doeth these things shall live by them. In other words, it's an all or nothing proposition. You either keep the whole law or you're a lawbreaker. Over in James chapter 2 and verse 10, he says, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that saith, do not commit adultery, and also said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So if you have violated one commandment at any point in your life, you are a condemned sinner, and you are worthy of death. And in fact, that's why if you turn back a couple of pages in Romans chapter 3, about verse 19, uh, well, let's just look there. It says in verse 19, We know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now listen to this. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, 
There shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. In fact, Galatians, over in Galatians, Paul tells the Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 21, if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. So keeping the law won't get it either. So how are we justified? Our articles of faith say we are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ alone. Alone. You see, as we continue looking here in chapter 5, and we see that justification is a free gift of God. Notice here that the focus changes in verse 15 here of Romans chapter 5 to justification through Christ alone. He's taken us down to the depths in Adam, and now he's bringing us up to the heights in Christ. And he says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. And, and, and notice that there's something inherently different about the free gift. And let me, let me just deal with that, that term, free gift. It's the Greek word charisma, charisma. And it is a gift of grace, a favor which one receives without any merit of his own. And it's referencing almost all the time you see it in the New Testament. It's referencing the gift of divine grace. Now, I want you to notice something. Sometimes people take that and say, well, see there, you have to do something in order to get it. It's, but it didn't say it's the free offer. Notice that. It's not an offer. It's a gift. A gift is something that is possessed by the giftee. In other words, it's not an offer out there that you have to accept in order for it to become, uh, in order for it to become a gift. It is a gift already, and the gift is something that's given. It's something that is possessed by the beneficiary. You see, up until then, it would be just an offer, but we never read about an offer of salvation. Only ever a gift, something that someone possesses. And here's the difference. It says, not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more by the grace, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded to many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Notice the differences here between the offense and the gift, the free gift. The offense brought death. Through the offense of one, many are dead. But the free gift brings life. It says much more, the grace of God and the gift by grace, it says, hath abounded by unto many. He says that the offense brought judgment. It was by judgment, it says in verse 16, uh, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. The offense brought judgment, the free gift brought justification. The offense resulted from, from one transgression, but the free gift covers many offenses. You see, what we have in Christ is so much better than what we had in Adam. In Adam, he had a perfect world, but he himself fell into sin. In Christ, we have an imperfect world, a place that's cursed by sin, but he, the Lord Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life, and he brought life and covered many offenses. You see, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's great, isn't it? Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more than they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness 
shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. As a result of Adam's offense, death reigns over us. As a result of Christ's obedience, we will reign over death. That's what he tells us in the 8th chapter, is it not? That we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. What's a more than conqueror? Well, a conqueror is one that goes out and fights the battle and collects all the spoils. We're more than conquerors because we didn't have to fight the battle. And yet we reap all the rewards of the victory. See, the battle that was fought was one we could not fight. The battle that was fought was one that only the Lord Jesus Christ could fight. And we are more than conquerors because our great conqueror conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. And now we're the beneficiaries of it. Justification is a free gift. It's given to every single one of his children. And justification is by one man to God. I want you to notice here, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Notice what he's saying here. By the way, that all men there is all men in this context. You see, who died in Adam? All died in Adam. All, every single, even every single one of his children that were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, along with all of Adam's posterity. But notice that all men, all of his elect children, receive the free gift of justification of life. And notice he, he elaborates on that in verse 19. And I love verse 19. I want you to listen to this very closely because this is what I call the double-barreled approach to both absolutism and Arminianism. Okay, notice what happens here. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Let's stop right there. The absolute, or that is the one who believes in the absolute predestination of all things, which this church slipped into one time in years past. They say that Adam's fall was predestinated by God. Now there's a lot of problems with that statement. The most important one being that predestination only applies to people, not to things. You know, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Predestination has to do with our eternal destiny and being conformed to the image of Christ. But also the problem with that is this. Here we see that what Adam did, in the, God classifies that as disobedience. Disobedience. That means he didn't do what God wanted him to do. He transgressed the law of God. Now, if Adam were doing what God had predestinated him to do, he would be obedient to the will of God, right? See, he wouldn't be called, obedience and disobedience don't go together. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't bring my children in when they would commit a transgression and do something wrong and say, now I'm going to spank you because you're being obedient. <laughs> you know, that would be child abuse, right? I didn't do that. Here we are told that one man's disobedience is how many were made sinners. So one man, Adam, plunged us into sin. That eliminates, that's the first barrel of the shotgun. <laughs> that blows away absolutism. But now look at verse, the rest of this verse. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That's the double barrel. That's the second barrel of the shotgun right there. And that blows Arminianism out of the water. Because notice what, 
I mean, I'm, I wouldn't have math whiz, but I know what one means. <laughs> one means one. It doesn't mean one plus one. It doesn't mean one. It doesn't mean Christ plus you, you see. By the obedience of one, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one, capital O, one, the one who came down as a, who was fully God and came down and became fully man while at the same time being fully God so that he could walk the roads of this sin-cursed world and march up the hill of Calvary and lay down his life and put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Praise God, it's by one, not by him and me, or him and the preacher, or him and the church, by one, by one. Justification is by one man unto God. You remember what Peter said about that over in chapter 1 of 1 Peter? And in verse 18, he says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. That's how we were justified. That's how we were redeemed or bought back. We had fallen in sin. We had been sold under sin. And Christ himself bought us back back oh what a justification it is that we have and as we bring this to a close i want us to think about that think about what we have now in christ over in titus chapter 3 titus gives us a pretty good view of this and i i like the way he puts it over here paul puts it in writing to titus in titus chapter 3 and verse 4 he says but after that the kindness and love of god our savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost which He shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You want to know how you're justified in the courtroom of eternal heaven? By the grace of God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, if you get to struggling with that, say, boy, I'm a sinner. <laughs> I'm such a sinner. I just, I realize that he talks about justification. But preacher, you don't know what kind of sins I've committed in my life. You don't know just how wicked a sinner I've been. Well, I read as there in Romans 5, as we keep reading there, it says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Listen, you're a sinner. And the things you've done are sinful. They're exceeding sinful in the sight of God. There's no excuse for anything we've done. We're sinners in, in the sight of an of a almighty, holy God. But notice what it says. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I'm so thankful that, grace, that sin and grace aren't just a one-to-one -one proposition. It doesn't say that where sin abounds, where you, where you get one sin, you get one grace. You get two sins, you get two grace. no. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And you know why that's necessary? Because grace has to cover sin. They don't just meet on equal footing. Grace covers sin. It wraps it up. And in fact, it puts us into the place that Micah speaks of over in Micah chapter 7, in verse 18, where he says, Who is a God like unto thee? 
You know, we could ask that question every day, couldn't we? Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. This is a God who is fully holy, but who delights in mercy. How can mercy and holiness meet together? They met together on the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ paid the sin debt. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. I think about the Marianas Trench when I hear that. They say that trench is so deep that the depths of it have never been plumbed by humans. They've sent different uh, machines down there with lights, but the sunlight can't even penetrate down to the depths of that Marianas Trench, the deepest part of the ocean. The sins of God's people have been buried deeper than the depths of the oceans of this world. That's how complete our justification is. I'm so thankful that our justification is through Christ alone. Lord willing, we're going to talk about a couple of other types of justification. Justification by faith, which we just read about in the fourth chapter there. If you can turn back and read it. Over in James, you're going to read about justification by works. Here's the key to understanding that. We're talking about a different courtroom than the courtroom of heaven. Justification by faith occurs in the courtroom of our heart and mind. Justification by works occurs in the courtroom of public opinion, what people see in us. We ought to strive for both of those, but praise God, it all begins with justification by grace through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in the courtroom of heaven. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.